This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Uh, good morning, good morning. Good to see all of you. So honored that you came. If you're a guest, we're, we're blessed to have you here. If you need a Bible, once you raise your hand, or ushers would gladly get you one. We're going to begin today in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel 36. We'll go from Ezekiel to the book of Ephesians. Again, if you need a Bible, once you raise your hand, or ushers would gladly get you the Bible. I encourage you to get in the Word today with us to take good notes today. Uh, just a couple things as we're going to Ezekiel 36. Don't abandon the Word of God, okay? Don't try to replace the Word of God for the traditions of men. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, you're old school. No, I'm not old school. I'm just B-I-B-L-E. I believe we need to stay with the Word of God, Okay? Listen to the, let, let the word of God instruct us today, okay? So we begin the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 25. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your idols. Now, most of this references back into the book of Hebrews, chapter 9, this is all talking about the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the only one that can rid you of guilt and shame and all your filthiness. Pastor, you got some filthiness? Pastor, you had some filthiness. Thank God the blood of Jesus still speaks today. This may help you a little bit right now. The blood of Jesus is the great, the great stain stick to sin. And I don't care who you are, the blood of Jesus will wash you. Verse 36 or 26, I mean, I will give you a new heart that's pliable and teachable. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, now as we go to verse 27, pay close attention to the three my's in this verse. I will put my spirit within you. I will put my spirit with you now. Just think for just here a second. If God wants to put his spirit within me, why would I not think that's a good idea? I don't know about you. I, I love the very thought that God wants to be on the inside of me. And this is the reason here, that I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. And so what he's talking about here is when the, that the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us, he enables us or to help us to walk in God's statutes and, and to keep his judgment. And so this is God's idea of changing human beings from the inside out. And every one of us, we have this age-old dilemma, I, I want to be different. I want to obey God, but I can't. Well, that's true. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to do it like you desire. And so when I begin to read this right here, I, I got to take the scriptures for what it says. So you get an idea again today where we're headed. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You shouldn't feel uncomfortable about talking about the Holy Spirit. 
Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to dive right on into this again this week. Again, this is why I said, let the scriptures teach us today. Ephesians 5 verse 18. Apostle Paul speaking, he says, Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, debauchery. One translation says it'll cheapen you. But be filled with the Spirit. The Greek word here for be filled makes it clear that this is not a one-time experience, but a, a continuous filling me and filling me and filling me. That I, I need to ask him to fill me on a daily basis. The book of Luke chapter 11 verse 13, the Lord Jesus said this, If you knowing how to be good gifts, give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so it's a prayer that I believe is important for us to ask. But it's interesting, he, he said here, be filled with the Spirit. So why would we question the scriptures? The Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit is vital for every one of us. So why do we not pray, uh, speak a great emphasis on the Holy Spirit? I believe part of the reason is a lack of understanding. And as human beings, anything we don't understand, we're against. So today we're going to get some biblical insight on the Holy Spirit. So we go back to our main scripture text. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Now as you're turning there to 1 Corinthians 12, you need to take a, a, a ribbon or a piece of paper or something and mark this because we're going to go from 1 Corinthians 12 back into the book of Acts on three different occasions, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, people that are born again, people that have asked or received Jesus as Lord of their life, there are spiritual gifts that he wants to make us aware. And he says, I do not want you to be ignorant. I do not want you to be misinformed. Again, I highlight this, ignorant does not mean stupid, it just means that you have no understanding. So the Apostle Paul is highlighting this, I want you to get an understanding about these spiritual gifts. Same chapter, verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit, the way the Holy Spirit manifests themselves, is given to each one. Who was the each one? Well, again, this passage was written to the brethren. So he's talking about if you're born again, this is written to you, that the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. Now, when I read verse 1 and verse 7 and I begin to think about this, he wasn't just writing this to the apostles. He was writing this to, the, to, to me and you. So what are we going to do with this verse? Do we, do we believe it? Do we dare expect it? Do we pray this? How about this? Do we dare even preach this within our churches? And I realize there's ones that will say, no, thank you. I don't want to hear about this. But again, I, I've got to highlight what the scriptures say. I've got to highlight what the, 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 uh, 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 the prophet Ezekiel said. Be filled with the Spirit. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament says you've got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Thank you. So we keep reading. Verse 8. For as one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. I read those very quickly because we were on those last week. If you didn't get them, you're going to have to listen to the podcast, okay? So we begin to dive in a little deeper. Verse 9. And to another, the gifts of healing. The gifts of healings. Now, if you'll notice there in the gifts of healing, it's plural. Many disorders, or better yet, it stated a supernatural endowment of power. A supernatural endowment of power. Now, we're commissioned in Mark 16. He says, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. That's Bible. But this right here is a, is a supernatural endowment. It's like a mantle of healing would come upon human beings. And it's interesting, he said, to each one is given this. Now, to understand this a little bit more, go with me to the book of, of Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, and I'm going to show you biblical passages here about how these gifts operated in the New Testament. A, a supernatural endowment of healing. Acts 28. Now, where I'm at in this is we talked about this last week, but the apostle Paul had been thrown in prison. He was going to be taken from the, the seaport of Caesarea to Rome. Now, if you remember last week in the word of wisdom, when they got on that ship, he said, I perceive that this ship is going to have danger. Well, it did. It did, just as he, he spoke. So what happens here is they get into danger in an area, an island called Malta, which is south of the city of Sicily and south of Italy. So they have a shipwreck. We pick up Acts 28, verse 2. And the natives of this island showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire... A viper came out because of the heat, and it fastened itself on his hand. So when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. Now, these, these natives, they see this viper attack to him, and if you'll notice what they say, they don't expect him to live. Now, I don't know what type of vapor it was, but he must have been very poisonous. Verse 5, but Paul shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. One of the two, he's going to swell up or he's just going to fall over dead. But after they had looked for a long time and so no, saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Verse 7. In that region there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entered us courteously for three days or entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of fever and dysentery but Paul went into him and prayed and he laid hands on him and he healed him. So when this was done, the rest on the island who had disease also came and were healed. Now, I don't know how many the rest was, 
But there was an empowerment of supernatural healing came upon him. Again, we think about this in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, this gift is still given. That the Holy Spirit still moves in this way. Psalms 103 verses 1 through 3 says, Do not forget my benefits. I'm the God who forgives all your iniquities and I heal all your disease. Now let me ask you something. How many of you in here believe God forgives? Well, the same God who forgives is the same God who says, I heal all your diseases. He's the same God. Hebrews 13 says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever God. Now, turn back with me to the book of 1 Corinthians 12. As you're turning there, I, I want to tell little stories that I've seen in my life pertaining to each one of these gifts. This was, oh my goodness, this was probably at least 30 years ago. And there was a man that I would see at church quite often. And he would always say this to me. He'd say, hey, listen what the Lord said to me. And I'd always kind of look at him. It, it was like it just came fresh off the printer. And there were days he would say, this is what the Lord showed me about you. And I'd kind of look at him and I thought, he's been talking to Shelly. <laughs> he can't know those things about me like he does. Well, this is the man that I begin to pray with. And he was a very gentle, soft-spoken man, but I'm telling you, he knew the things of God. This man was stationed at Cannon Air Force Base there in Clovis. One night, a little after midnight, he got a call, and they said, this is the hospital at Cannon Air Force Base. Are you Frank Campbell? And he said, I am. And they said, you need to get to the emergency room as fast as you can. He walks in and gets there, and there's a doctor waiting for him. And he said, Mr. Campbell, your 19-year-old son is on the verge of dying. He said, we see numerous needle marks right here in his veins where he shot up with Clorox or bleach. He said, I don't believe he'll make it through the night. He said, what will happen is when that bleach circles throughout his body, it will begin to shut down his vital organs. This guy said, I believe God heals. He said, I, I appreciate what you've done and what you're telling me as a medical doctor, but I choose to believe that God will heal my son. The doctor said, well, there's nothing else I can do. I'll be back early in the morning. This guy named Frank Campbell stayed there and he prayed over his son, laid hands on him and said, you're healed and whole. The next morning early, the doctor shows back up and to his surprise, the 19-year-old still alive. He looks at Frank and says, that's, that's a miracle. That was a healing. He said, but I want you to be aware of something else. The areas of his arm where he shot up it's done so much nerve damage right here. I don't believe he'll ever have any feeling or use out of that arm again. Frank said this. He said, I looked and I thought to myself, man, I guess I ought to just be, a lot, be, be grateful that my son's still alive. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said to him, he said, Frank, now listen real close to this. He said, Frank, don't settle out of court with the devil. 
the same God that caused your son to be alive is the same God that will heal. Clap for the Lord. I'm telling you guys. I don't have to settle down here when I serve a God that's up here. He began to speak over his son. And not only did his son live, his son gained full motion and range with that hand because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse number 9. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit. Verse 10. And to another the working of miracles. Now look real close at that. The, the working of miracles. The power beyond the ordinary course of natural law. Divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. Now, I believe this personally. Every one of us in this room have experienced a miracle at one time or another. We just often didn't recognize it. The best way I can describe a miracle is some things just can't be explained. So I go back in the Bible and I begin to think, Peter walking on the water, that goes against the natural pretty good. Throughout the Bible, when we see people raised from the dead, that goes against the natural pretty good. Turn with me back to the book of Acts, chapter number 20. Acts 20. And we'll pick up here in verse 7. Ooh, I'm, I'm really excited about hearing those pages turn. You get in the Word, God will get into you, I promise you. Acts 20, verse 7. Now, on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread to partake communion, wow, they were having church on Sunday. Paul, ready to depart the next day, he was going to leave to go somewhere else. He spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. You can take a sigh of relief, okay? I'm not going to go to midnight. <laughs> but Paul did. This is Proverbs 35, 35. Blessed are the short-winded, for they are invited back. Okay. You can breathe. Verse 9, and in the window sat at a certain young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep, and as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down, fell on him, and brazen him, said, do not trouble yourselves. Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. He's alive. And I wonder all those people looking around thought, what is he smoking? Verse 11. Now when he had come back up and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. Wait, 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 wait. I don't know what time the church service was starting, but I know he was speaking at midnight and now the sun's coming up which is Monday morning, but it's interesting that God still does miracles on Monday. 
So guess what? God's not moved by what day of week it is. He just looks for people to say, I'm going to believe God. I'm going to watch the things of the Holy Spirit move. Verse 12. And they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. Well, I bet not. They weren't a little comforted. I'm sure they all thought this is the kid who fell out the third floor window. And now he's got life back in him. So guess what took place here? Paul preached the word and God confirmed the word with signs following according to Mark 16 verse 20. When I begin to study Paul's life, anytime Paul preached the word of God, he expects the Holy Spirit to move. I believe that's big for us. I believe as people of God, we, we've got to get to that place where, where we believe this. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12. As you're turning there, let me give you another example here. This happened probably seven, eight years ago with the men of iron. I, I encourage all you men, if you've never been to the men of iron, you want to go. We see, we see the Holy Spirit move in incredible ways there. And this question was asked me. They said, Pastor, why, why do you believe the Holy Spirit moves that way? Well, when you have 1,500 men come to praise and worship Jesus, Jesus is going to show up. The big thing I see is this, that when we go down there, men don't have jobs to go through. They don't have responsibilities. They can relax, and time's not that big of a deal. God always moves. So anyhow, seven or eight years ago, there's a young man there who's... 19 years old. He's from the church in Claremore, Oklahoma, Rick Burke's church called Cedar Point. This is April of that year. Early January of that year, it had snowed, and he's out riding a four-wheeler, and he gets a little, gu- uh, little bold, a little crazy on it, and he flips it. This four-wheeler lands right on top of him. When the paramedics get there, they've coated him dead already. They get him in the ambulance. They begin to shock him, and he comes back to life. They call his mother and says, you've got to get to the hospital. During this course of this night, they coat him dead between 7 and 11 times. The reason they were unsure, because stuff just started overlapping. He would die. But when he began to die, his mama was in the hospital room right there with him. And the doctor would say, he's dead. There's nothing else I can do. And she would say, "Uh uh-uh. My God's a miracle working God. He's not going anywhere. My God is going to take care of him. And the doctor would begin to work, get him back to life. Same thing began to happen and began to happen. So this young man is at the Men of Iron this year. They asked him the question, when all this was taking place, when they coded you dead those many times, Do you remember any of it? And he said, oh, yeah. And they said, what took place in your life? And he said, I went to heaven. And any time I've ever gotten around people who've gone to heaven, they talk about the peace that's there, the joy that's there. They talk about the different colors. Every one of them have told me, And you've never seen colors like you've seen in heaven. But he said as he walked into the golden, uh, the pearly gates, he said he, he heard this whistle. 
And, and when this guy whistled at him, he said, I turned and looked and he said, I remember that was the same whistle that my grandfather would whistle at me as a young boy. And he said, I dearly love my grandfather. And he said, as my grandfather got close to me, he was roughly 30 years old. Almost everybody tells me the same thing. And he said, we begin to, to converse and talk and we begin to think, talk about the things of God. And he said, I don't know how long I was there. And all of a sudden he said, this bright light comes walking up and he said, it was Jesus. And Jesus says to me, you got to go back to earth. And he said, I don't want to go back to earth. I, I want to stay here. Do you know, I, I believe this personally with the thing called death. That oftentimes our family members get glimpses when they're in heaven of heaven. Apostle Paul said this in Philippians 1.21. He said, to die and depart to be with Christ is far better. Far better. I, I really wonder at times when we have loved ones to get to heaven and the Lord Jesus may say, you, you're going back. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm, I'm done there. I'm done. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not signing up for that tour. I'm done. But he said, the Lord Jesus specifically said to him, you got to pray in mama. And I hear the prayers of your mama. He was there and he testified. And he said, I'm a miracle. I'm a miracle. God still does miracles. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 Verse 10, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. The reason I read that fast is because I'm going to skip one of them today. The reason I'm going to come back next week to prophecy, the gift of tongues, and the gift of interpretation of tongues, the reason is those go hand in hand. So we're going to look at the third one today. Pay close attention to the wording. It says, to another discerning of spirits. To another discerning of spirits. The New, uh, the New American Standard says, to distinguish of spirits or between spirits. And so when you see the word discerning of spirits, many people will say, well, I have the gift of discernment. No, no, that's not what it said. It said the gifts of discerning the spirits. So to have this gift, you're going to see into the spirit realm angels and demons. Okay? This is what the Bible's talking about here. So to help us understand this one, look with me in Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. To another the discerning of spirits. We have people in this church that operate in that gift. Many of you were here last, uh, last spring when Kelly Castleman, the one who wrote the book on the angels, he operates in the gift of discerning the spirits. We had one in the first service who I know sees in that realm. Pastor, do you see? I haven't yet, but I'm sure not against it. He talked about the angelic uh, movement that was here in the first service. I almost told him, you got to stay for the second service and tell. Acts 13, verse 6. 
Now, when they'd gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer. To help you with that a little bit, a, a Jewish wizard, a magician. Some translations use the word botanica, a curandero, a false prophet. And the reason I highlight false like they did, whatever God does, the devil tries to counterfeit. A false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the pro-council, this guy named Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. Now, this guy was the governor of the island, and often these guys would keep a private sorcerer with them. That's how goofed up they were. And so this man called for Barnabas and the apostle Saul, and he sought to hear the word of God. This governor wanted to hear the word of God. But Elimus, which was his Greek name for the sorcerer, for his name is translated, he withstood them. He opposed them, seeking to turn the pro-council away from the faith. And the reason he wanted to do that, he didn't want to lose his job. Verse 9. Then Saul, who is also called Paul, and if you're a history buff, this is the first time that Paul was referenced as Paul instead of Saul. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now this always interests me when I read passages like this, and it says, Paul, who was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible wants us to, to take note. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what happens when people get filled with the Holy Spirit. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at him. I believe the, the eyes of the discerning of spirits is what this is talking about. Why? Look what he sees. He looked intently at him and he said, O full of all deceit and all fraud and you son of the devil. Now, I believe Paul was probably looking at a natural man, but through the gift of discerning the spirits, he saw right through this man. And he goes on to say, you enemy of all unrighteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? Now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul of the governor, he believed. He got born again. And when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. He was not only astonished at the teaching, look, he was astonished at the power that God confirmed his word with signs following. And so right here, you begin to see the manifestation of, to one, giving the gift of the discerning of spirits. Now, turn back with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And as you're turning there, let, let me share another example that this one will really help you. This was a number of years ago, and we were at the Men of Iron again. And in my session, I had spoken on generational curses. And when it came time to end... We had an altar call. And the altar was bigger than this one. But men just kept coming down. They, they were so packed in here that they were even in the aisles. There was that many of them. 
And it was a similar platform to this. And so it, it was like a dividing line right here. And as long as I was right here behind me, I sensed the presence of God. I, I, sensed, I sensed the power of heaven in incredible ways. But if, if I was to get real close right here, I would sense the devil and evil in an unbelievable way. It, it was so real, just right here. It was almost like there was a clash going on in the spirit realm. So that night, I was speaking, and we were praying for men, and, and I was walking back across the platform, and I can still see this man to this day. And I stopped, and I looked at him, and, and he was mostly bald-headed. He still had a little bit of hair here on the sides. And I looked, and I said, I rebuke the spirit of death on you in the, in the name of Jesus. Just like that. And when I said it, this man falls to his knees. So the service ends. And after the service, we would usually get together and we would discuss the things that God did. Well, I walked back to that room and I knew the man Kelly Castleman. Again, I highlight, you really need to read his book. But I knew he was back there in that room and I thought, I've got to get the play-by-play -play from him. So when I walked in, I'm looking and he sees me. He goes, so man, I went back there and I said, okay, you got to help me. And I shared with him the, the angels behind me when I sensed that. And he said, oh, yeah. He said, there were thousands of, of ministering spirits there that day. And he said, they had their swords. And I said, what does that represent? And he said, man, they're there to war. And I said, okay, when I would get up here and I would sense the, the evil and the devil, he said, oh, yeah. He said, you got to understand, when you talk about generational curses, these are things that have been in people's bloodlines, some for thousands of years. So it's like the devil has a stronghold, and it's like the devil said, we're not letting go. And he said, so you were really sensing it. That's what you were sensing. There was a clash taking place. And then he said, now i got a question for you. And I said, what's that? And he goes, you saw that spirit of death on that guy. And I said, I didn't see nothing. And he goes, no, 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 no. You saw the spirit of death on that guy. And I said, I didn't see nothing. I said, what was on him? And he said, there was a devil of death was on him. And he said, you saw that. And I said, dude, I didn't see. I don't see. And he said, how did you know that? And I said, I just sensed it. All of a sudden, behind us, this young man begins to weep uncontrollably. And we look at him and we said, what's up with you, buddy? And he goes, that man you rebuked the, the spirit of death from, that's my father. He said, two months ago, my mother divorced him. In the last two months, five different times he's tried to commit suicide. And he said, that was the spirit of death on him. My body shook about how precise this was. This is the same experience that Jesus showed up to that time. I could tell you these things over and over, but now for time's sake, go back with me to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 11. And listen real close to what it says. But one, just one, 
And the same Spirit works all these things. Distributing to each one individually as he wills. Not as I will. I can't turn this on and off. But I can't deny what he says right here. That the Holy Spirit still does this. He still distributes to each one as he wills. So I go back to the, what do we do with this verse? Do we choose to believe it? Do we choose to pray it? Do we choose to preach on it? Do we choose to expect it? So what begins to happen there? That the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he said, desire spiritual gifts. So what happens with desire is appetite, and what happens with appetite is an expectation. And when people start saying, I see this, God still moves. But to a degree, we've stiff-armed the Holy Spirit. We've quit teaching on these things. Let me read this to you. This is Hebrews chapter 2, verse 4. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles... And gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. That's Hebrews 2.4. So I begin to look at these. And I said, Father God, I, I'm sorry for not preaching on this. I'm, I'm sorry for not giving your people understanding. And I believe this is what starts happening when, when we start getting understanding of what the scriptures say, it begins to stir within us. Now, this is what I believe is happening. We're beginning to wade out into the deep end. We're beginning to wade out. And when we begin to desire and say, Father God, I welcome you to move. I ask you to pray this. Mark 16, 20, Lord, we welcome you to confirm your word with signs following. Acts 2, Father God, we welcome the outpouring of the Spirit of God upon all flesh. Hebrews 2, 4, we welcome the manifestations. We welcome signs and wonders. We welcome miracles. And you say, how's this going to take place? I don't know. It's as the Spirit wills. I can't turn it on and off, but I'm sure not going to stiff arm it and say, you're not welcome here. I think we need a bit of big old sign up there that says, open vacancy. So I'm going to have you stand on your feet. You don't want to miss next week. I'm going to tell you right now. It's going, to bring, it's going to bring understanding. As we had the altar call in the first service. Got a man in our church. Back in May, he had a supposedly a pretty routine operation. Right here on a thing in his eyes. The hospital royally messed up. He's blind. The hospital had to look at him and say, 
you'll never see again. And you know what he said when the doctor said that? He said, you don't know my God. You don't know my God. God sure does want us to boast about our God. God sure wants us to tell people, man, my God is good. My God's a healer. We had so many that had different issues. One had problems with his heart. I'm not God. I'm just the messenger boy. So our praise and worship team is getting ready to sing, but... I don't know where you're at today. I I don't know if you're here and you say, I I need a miracle. I'm sure there's ones if I said, how many of you in here need a miracle? Hands would go up. How many of you need to be touched by the gift of healing in your body? Hands would go up. So I'm going to welcome you to these altars. And again, I believe with all my heart what the scripture says. It's as the spirit wills. And I'm just going to be open right here that if you, if you feel like you're operating in the gift of miracles or the gifts of healing today, I want you to come down here and I want you to pray for people. And you don't have to freak out and think, oh no, it's going to be worse than the circus. No, it's going to be done decently in order. We're just going to be biblical. Wow, that's a novel idea. Let's just be biblical. Let's just obey the scriptures. So as they sing, I I welcome you down here today, okay? Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.